You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is June 29th, 2021. My name is Philip Ross, and I'm the expert insight editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we'll review the NBA Draft Combine, some of the players that stood out, some of the storylines that stood out uh, as the Orlando Magic uh, and all the other teams in the league were in Chicago to get their first kind of in-person interaction with the draft prospects. Uh, teams are, are really not allowed to contact draft prospects until really after the season ends. Obviously, some people have been in for workouts, but for the ma- main prospects, for the major prospects, uh, this was the big, big, big week. So we'll break down some of the things that we saw, uh, that some of the reports that leaked out uh, from the NBA Draft Combine. Also talk about why getting this coaching hire is really, really, really important um, and why it's not something that should be kind of taken very, very lightly. We'll get, we'll get into that coming up here in just a moment. But before we do any of that, I do remind you all to check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching for the podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, this podcast covering every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want the lowdown on the LA Clippers after their big win in, in Phoenix against the Phoenix Suns? Check out Locked On Clippers. Get ready for tonight's game between the Hawks and the Bucks. Locked On Hawks and Locked On Bucks have you covered. Check no matter who your team is, whether it's in the NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, or college too. There's a Locked On podcast for you. Just search for every download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. So stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in the episode. So last week was obviously a big one in the draft process. We had the NBA Draft Lottery, which set the final draft order. We also had the NBA Draft Combine, uh, uh, an event that isn't maybe as big as its NFL counterpart, um, but still a, a pretty huge event where players get their first interactions with teams and, and teams get to kind of see, especially later, late first round, early second round guys, get to see them in action and get to begin trying to separate them a little bit with the NBA's official measurements. Um, you know, again, a lot of this, I find that I find that a lot of draft coverage or a lot of kind of like, Reactionary draft coverage is reactions to what to new information that's out there, and sometimes overreaction to new information that's out there. I think most NBA teams, most NBA, most good NBA draft outfits, a lot of their review is done. Um, a lot of their a lot of their uh, uh, evaluations are done. The games are over after all, and at the end of the day, the games are what's most important. What's happening now is they're gathering sort of intelligence on on people. Um, you know, I, I've I've joked, and I will continue to joke, that front offices, NBA front offices, are actually pretty large intelligence gathering organizations. Um, you know, you know, they're 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 like the CIA. They are looking for background information on people. They're looking to get information on people that no one else has, and use that to make decisions. So at this point in the process, um, as Jeff Weltman has alluded to, actually in some press conferences. The Magic have already probably tiered out their players. Um, you know, I think I think Sam Vecini of the Athletic does a really good job explaining this process. But essentially, what a lot of teams will do is they will they will tier players out. Like these these, these groups of players are of similar talent. We're going to put them in this bin. Then there's the next group. Put them in that bin. 
and then the next group. We'll put them in that bit. And really what the trick is now in setting up your big board and setting up your preferences is figuring out where to rank players within those tiers. For most people in this draft, this is sort of a four or five person draft at the top. Uh, And then there's maybe like two or three, four, maybe five people that you like in that next grouping right behind that top five. And and certainly there's been some stratification in that. It seems like in the kind of universal, uh, you know, public big board that's out there. And and so you're really just kind of debating because it's hard to compare players. It's, It's apples to oranges in a lot of ways. How do you compare a low post player to a, to a three and D guard. Um, it, it's really about both preference. It's, and, and then it becomes really about the person. As, as Jeff Voltman says all the time, we're not just drafting a player, we're drafting a person. Um, you know, again, talent does win. Talent does matter. But you're also bringing a person into your organization. And especially with such young players, you're looking for people who are willing to put in the work to get better. People who are not just satisfied with being in the NBA. People who are about the team. And yes, there are other attributes that the Magic certainly want. Um, I've had this conversation with a lot of people. I agree with it completely. The Magic do need someone with a little bit of an edge. Um, I won't deny that. I, I, I think I, I've, I've joked, and I still actually believe this. If Jonathan Isaac had a little bit more of an edge to his game, um, or a little bit more present of an edge to his game, I often say if he had a little bit of an ego, because um, that dude's the most selfless dude in the world, um, if he had a little bit of an ego on the court, I think that he would have probably gone number one in that draft over Markel Fultz and even over Jason Tatum. Um, maybe that's a little bit hyperbole, but um, you know, the difference between I think a player like Jonathan Isaac going from six to like two or three is really about that killer instinct um, that we haven't seen from him yet. It's not. I don't think it's something that I don't know if it's something that you can develop or not. Um, but his personality just isn't one that has a little bit of an edge to it, if that makes sense. And again. That's not bad. I like Jonathan Isaac a lot. I like the person Jonathan Isaac is too. Uh, but but when you're on the basketball court, um, you need you, it's a zero-sum game. You got to be able to beat the other people. Um, but that's that, that that's part of what gets discovered in this part of the process. So now we'll begin to see players uh, to, to do interviews with teams. We'll begin to see the teams interact more fully with players uh, and really uh, and really begin to to see these players stratify themselves. In the process, obviously, the, the the big thing that that came out of the draft combine weekend was Jonathan Kuminga. Um, you know, I, I think most people right now have the Magic taking Jonathan Kuminga at the fifth pick. This is before we talk about trading up. This is before we talk about anything else. Most people have the Magic taking Jonathan Kuminga. Um, it for the longest time we've all said this is a five player draft, and I told you on this show, I only care about getting in the top five. It's begun. It's begun to begin to feel like a four plus one draft. That's the disappointment with ending at ending up at five and kind of getting the last of these very very talented players. But do not get it wrong. Jonathan Kuminga is very 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 good. Um, it is not a bad thing to have the opportunity to draft a guy like Jonathan Kuminga. Now his floor might be a little bit lower. His ceiling also might be a little bit higher, but a little bit harder to reach. Um, that's why he's being drafted fifth instead of fourth. Um, but. I think Kuminga is still a really, really good player. And Kuminga was among the players. He did not participate in the formal combine process, but probably because of COVID a little bit and because everyone's already there, um, all the agencies had kind of individual pro days or group pro days with their clients so that NBA scouts who are in Chicago could see them play. And Jonathan Kuminga had an individual workout, I believe it was Sunday, um, to kind of show himself off. And Yes, if you watched the video, uh, Jonathan Givoni of ESPN and formerly of Draft Express 
um, did a did a posted a video, posted a couple videos of Kuminga's workout. It is very much guy in an empty gym, no defense, you know, kind of going through his paces. And again, do the he's doing the work. Um, you know, that's that's the situation they put him in. That's where they showed him showed him off. He's doing the work. Guy is extremely athletic, extremely fluid. Um, he's I mean, we know from his time in the G League Ignite, he can get to the basket. He's physically really imposing. Like he's He's phys- I mean, he looks physically ready to play in the NBA, which is which is not something you can say about a lot of 18-year-olds. Um, the big question mark for Jonathan Kaminga, though, was his jumper. Uh, it, it, he was a sub-30% three-point shooter in, in the G League. He is uh, a guy that, you know, for most people, uh, his jumper is still a very much a work in progress. Uh, shot selection, also very much a work in progress, it seems like, too. Um, but by all reports and by all accounts at the NBA Draft Combine, Kuminga showed an improved jumper. Um, there's a couple close-up shots of his jumper, and I, you know, I, I, I commented that you know I thought his jumper looked a lot more fluid and a lot better and a lot smoother. And I would even say this from my time watching him in the G League, I thought his jumper was a lot better than was advertised. Like I had heard he was not a great jump shooter, but it still seemed like he was comfortable taking jumpers. The form wasn't broken. Um, you know, maybe there's a few mechanical tweaks to make, but. The, it, everything seemed fluid, and again, they the, had a knee injury in the bubble that kind of that kind of slowed his season down as well. So, how much do we take that into consideration? According to one report, I, I think it was Jeff Goodman of CBS Sports. Let me let me double let me double check that because I oh no it wasn't it was uh, Jonathan Wasserman of, of Bleacher Report. I apologize. Um, we'll get to Jeff Goodman's report later. Um, jo- Jonathan Wasserman of of Bleacher Report uh, reporting that um, Kuminga made sixty percent of his three pointers. Uh, in the workout. Now, granted, no one else in the gym, no defense, no rush, no hurry. I would say just looking at his form, his form looks fine. I think that he brings the ball in front of his face too much. This is actually a tweak that Anthony Davis made to his shot. Um, when Anthony Davis entered the league, he brought the ball right in front of his face to shoot, um, and he had to kind of, he they, they worked to move his angle a little bit further away from his face so he could see the basket. Like, very, very simple stuff. You don't want to shoot in front of your face because then you can't see the basket. Um, it, so there's still, I think, some mechanical tweaks that have to be made, but it definitely looked like Kuminga had been working on a shot and has looked to improve his shot and, and, and looked impressive in this workout. Um, so impressive, in fact, that there are some reports that the Cleveland Cavaliers are potentially interested in drafting Kuminga at four. And that's, again, a point that I've kind of made is that I wanted Cleveland ahead of Orlando because I felt like they'd have a better chance of wanting to take Kuminga since they have... Sexton and Garland. Some Cleveland people have kind of assured me that they're not completely sold on Sexton, um, which is fair. They got to pay Sexton soon, so they they might be looking to move on from him if, if he hasn't become all that they imagined, and and especially because if they think that Jalen Suggs or whoever they might draft there is, is a better option in the long run. To say the least, this is a workout. Um, Jeff Waltman, John Hammond, Matt Lloyd, the Magic's delegation uh, was front and center for this workout. They were there. You can watch the video. They are there. Jeff Waltman speaking to Masai Ujiri in one clip. The, all three of them are together watching in another. They were there. They were present for this workout. Um, we'll get into more about Jonathan Kuminga in a little bit. We're going to start doing draft profiles up maybe later this week, maybe beginning of next week. I'm I'm still picking out the first player I want to look at um, uh, Look at on OrlandoMagicDaily.com, but we'll start doing that on OrlandoMagicDaily.com as well. Um, but Kuminga, Kuminga had a good weekend. Um, there's good positive buzz about Kuminga. And honestly, just judging by Magic fans, there's everyone's kind of settled in and saying that the number five pick isn't the worst thing in the world. 
We'll talk a little bit more about some of the other players that impress and some of the other players to watch from the NBA Draft Combine when it comes to the Magic coming up here in just a minute. Plenty more draft talk to come. But first, we got to name our Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Obviously, the Orlando Magic aren't playing anymore, and there aren't really any there aren't really many Magic connections left uh, in the NBA playoffs. So I'm going to go off board here and, and give a little love to some of our friends down the road uh, on the Gulf Coast. Our player of the week this week is none other than longtime Orlando Magic public address announcer Paul Porter. I have joked at times too that we need to free Paul Porter, and over the years we've seen less and less of Paul Porter at Orlando Magic Games because he lives in Tampa and also doubles as the Tampa Bay Lightning's public address announcer. So as I was sitting down last night to watch Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Final, uh, it was both soothing and exciting to hear Paul Porter's voice calling yet another championship series. Paul Porter has been the public address announcer for the 1995 NBA Finals, the 2009 NBA Finals, but also the 2004 2004 Stanley Cup, the 2000, now I'm blanking on yours, 2012, no, 2000, sorry, 2014 Stanley Cup, and now this year's Stanley Cup final between the Tampa Bay Lightning and Montreal Canadiens. If you are a longtime Magic fan, if you are a Magic fan at all, Paul Porter's calls just give you joy. Like, like, seriously, just give you this sense of enjoyment and happiness. He is very much part of the soundtrack of Orlando Magic basketball. From the very beginning, he's been the Magic's public address announcer since 1989. Since 1989. And he has been so critical, frankly, to building the culture and energy inside Orlando Magic home games. So much so that there are some rumors and reports that the NBA asked him to dial it back in the mid-90s. He was almost too, he was almost having too much fun at the other team's expense, especially during those 90s finals runs. Paul Porter is a vital piece of the Orlando Magic's history. And I'm hoping that he's among the next group of next group of contributors to make the Orlando Magic Hall of Fame. Um, he every every game he travels from Tampa. He lives in Tampa. Um, and he is a vital piece of the Orlando Magic. And so to see him back on the biggest stage of one of, of one of the sports that he covers is exciting and happy for me. Um, I think that that is that is absolutely just absolutely a, a huge thing for for Paul Porter and, and for Magic fans to hear that voice once again. So to this week's Michelob Ultra Player of the Week goes to our man Paul Porter. PA announcer for the Orlando Magic and the Tampa Bay Lightning. If you want a little bit more about the Tampa Bay Lightning, check out our podcast, our sister podcast, Locked On Lightning, as they go for their second straight Stanley Cup. Because remember, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, Michelob Ultra helps joy create success. Enjoyment isn't the end game, it's the whole game. Our Road to the Finals NBA Playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, we can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. No playoff coverage today. We're going to talk more about the NBA Draft Combine. Obviously, the NBA Draft Combine, though, is also a chance for 
uh, for for players that are a little bit under the radar to to kind of make a mark on a big set setting and on a big stage. And, and there are two players in particular who did seem to make a bigger mark um, at, at the toward the top of the draft than any others. Uh, Scotty Barnes has been quietly getting some buzz about breaking into that top five group. I've had him sixth on my board for a very, very long time. He's a great athlete, good at finishing around the rim, good passer, especially for for a 6'8 forward. Um, There's a lot of things to be really impressed about with Scotty Barnes, and especially with kind of Jonathan Kuminga as as, as less of a playmaker, more of a scorer who is not a great shooter. Barnes' ability to pass the ball and kind of become a a sort of really like a, a true point four Draymond Green type who could defend all five, who defend at least four of the five positions, um, seems to be gaining some currency and gaining some value. Look, I, I think Scotty Barnes is a really impressive player. Um, would not surprise me if the Magic take him. I, I do not think that would be the right choice over Kuminga. Um, but there's there's a lot to like about Scotty Barnes, and he had a very good NBA draft combine by by all accounts. Um, again, the buzz is starting to grow that he could sneak into that top five. And I think that he put all that on display, showed improved shooting, again, in a gym with no one guarding him because uh, he wasn't playing in the combine games. Um, there's a lot to like about Scotty Barnes. And so you have to at least put him on your radar and at least consider him. The guy, though, who seemed to really make a big impression, though, was UConn guard James Booknight. Uh, this might be a little bit of a controversial take, um, but you know I think James Booknight has the chance to be this draft's Donovan Mitchell. Look, I think the range for Book Knight is he could be Trey Burke or he could be Donovan Mitchell. The guy is a 6'5", 6'6", guard. He's got great athleticism, can finish around the rim, like kind of like uh, Donovan Mitchell can. Uh, but in college, he was a little bit of a chucker. Um, you know, he was at UConn. They didn't have a lot around him. He was injured for part, for most of last season. He only played, I think, 15 games. Um, there's, there's, he has a little bit of a reputation of being a chucker. But at the same time, that's kind of what the Magic need. You need a guy who's simply out there to score and has a scoring mindset. Book Knight is a scorer. Not to mention he's also friends with Cole Anthony growing up in the New York area. Um, there, I, I think that there's a lot to like about Book Knight. And again, he fits a need that the Magic have. And in his, you know, he was a sub-30% three-point shooter last year, but how much of that was the injuries? How much of that was the fact he was on the ball so much? Um, but during his draft workout, he really seemed to impress people with his shot. There's at least one college basketball writer who thinks the Magic should just take him at five. And while I think that's a little bit much, um, I, I, I am of the opinion that whoever your guy is, if he's not the conventional fifth pick, whoever your guy is, just take him at five. Don't risk him not being there at eight. Just take him. Just take your guy. I'm a big proponent of that. Take your guy. Whoever your guy is, whoever you have identified as the guy, take him. Um, I kind of developed this, strategy, this, this this philosophy from how the Utah Jazz got Donovan Mitchell. Um, if you read the stories, and I think the Athletic did a real good story on it as well. The Jazz, you know, Donovan Mitchell was considered kind of a wild card pick um, during that draft process. Everyone kind of forgets that now. Um, there were a lot of questions about him. He wasn't a fantastic scorer at Louisville, not a great jump shooter, but it seemed in like every single draft workout. Donovan Mitchell outplayed the people that were around him in the draft. And Utah saw that and saw that in him and were like, we're going to do whatever we have to do to get him. And they traded up. Denver picked Donovan Mitchell. Imagine that. Denver picked Donovan Mitchell and Utah traded up and acquired him in on draft night. Um, I, I feel like Book Knight could be the kind of guy that starts building momentum 
in draft workouts when he's working out with other players and and beating them and, and kind of showing that he's the best of that group. I have the feeling that, you know, and I have no evidence to say this right now, but I have the feeling that Book Knight could be that kind of player in this draft. So I definitely keep an eye on James Book Knight, certainly for the eighth pick, absolutely 100% for the eighth pick, potentially maybe for the fifth pick. I think that's still a little bit of a stretch. I think there's still a lot of questions. There's still this wide range for, for him. Like, he could either be an inefficient chucker and ends up being, again, like a Trey Burke or, or, or someone that, you know, has big games every once in a while but just isn't consistent enough or efficient enough to do that and play the way that he does on the ball. Or he could end up being a lead guard like Donovan Mitchell. Um, like he, I think he does have that star potential from everything I've seen. I know our pal uh, Richard Stamen at Mavs Draft for Lockdown NBA Draft is huge on Book Knight, loves him. Um, I think that he does have that potential. So keep an eye on him. It did seem like he had a very good draft combine. The other thing to watch for from the NBA Draft Combine is all the measurements and drills that they do, the kind of uh, athletic drills that they do. Um, and so, yes, we have to mention it. Moses Moody, guy that I've picked eighth in almost every mock draft that I've done so far uh, on the Lockdown Podcast Network or anywhere else. Moses Moody measured at six foot six with a seven foot one wingspan. It was the, I, I believe, it was the uh, largest ratio of wingspan to height in the entire NBA Draft Combine. Um, so yes, plus wingspan, uh, uh, exceedingly so. Um, guy who's known to be uh, potentially a three and D player at that. Um, so I think that Moody is hundred percent on the team's radar. Um, you know, we we know the Magic have a type. Um, no reason to think that's going to change anytime soon. The other guy I want to keep have I want to turn your attention to though is Keon Johnson of Tennessee. And again, we're going to do draft profiles on all these guys. We'll talk more specifically about all these guys and kind of the storylines and things to watch for as we prepare for the draft. But Keon Johnson, I think, had, had turned a lot of heads at the draft combine with his with his uh, drill work. Um, Keon Johnson, guard at Tennessee, averaged, uh, I think it was 11.3 points per game, but shot just 27.1% from beyond the arc. I've kind of kind I've kind of slipped him down my board a lot because of the poor three-point shooting because, you know, the Magic don't need another driver. They need shooter. They need shooting. They need guys who can shoot. Um, and that's still something that's a huge question mark for Keon Johnson. If he can develop his shot, this is a really talented player, and this is a guy the Magic absolutely should consider at eight because he is so good at getting in the basket, so dangerous in transition, and now we have these stats to go with it. Johnson set the draft combine record with a 48-inch max vertical leap. Um, that's essentially two steps and a jump. Um, for reference, the second-highest vertical leap belonged to center Jericho Sims at 44 and a half inches. He outleaped him by three and a half inches. Johnson's 41 and a half inch standing vertical leap, so that's just stationary two, off two feet jumping, um, was by far the best in the combine as well at 41 and a half inches. To say the least, this kid can jump. Um, that is, you know, again, you can't teach athleticism. You can't teach height. You can't teach wingspan. Um, skills can be developed. But this stuff is innate. Um, and, and to have those skills and be able to use those skills effectively is definitely the trick. But these are still really impressive numbers from a guy that is getting buzz for a top 10 draft pick. Definitely put Keon Johnson on your boards. The shooting is a concern, but is not everything. Um, you can certainly develop and improve as a shooter. Just look at Marcus Smart. But, you know, uh, Keon Johnson is definitely someone the Magic will consider. We'll, we'll dive in a little bit more on him uh, in the coming weeks. 
That's all I have from the NBA Draft Combine, though. Again, a lot of it's pro forma, a lot of it's stuff that goes on behind the scenes. We do know the Magic interviewed three players. Um, they surely interviewed more. We do know that they had interviews with Scotty Barnes, Keon Johnson, and Jalen Johnson from Duke uh, at the NBA Draft Combine. I'm sure more will come out in the coming days. Um, the Magic, obviously, back on the coaching search now with the you know Penny Hardaway news that happened over the weekend. I'm sure they're kind of waiting on maybe one or two more candidates to finish the first round of interviews and begin kind of narrowing their list down. And you know, hopefully, we'll have an announcement either by the end of the week. Um, I imagine they'll wait till after the holidays. So I think I think we'll probably get an announcement either next week or the week of July 12th. Um, I would I would bet on next week for for the coaching announcement. That's going to bring a lot of clarity to a lot of things as well. We'll do plenty more NBA draft coverage. We've got obviously a month to go, a month from today actually before the NBA draft. So we'll do plenty, plenty more NBA draft coverage. But I want to turn back to the coaching search here in just a minute with the news about Penny Hardaway. I want to just reiterate how important this coaching search is. We'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. But first, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and UFC MMA action too. Before the next pitch, bell ring, puck drop, tip off, whatever it is, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs through the playoffs and beyond. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code locked on. Bet online, your online sports book experts. This episode is also brought to you by rockauto.com. With their ever increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. So why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? Is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. Choice is good. Choice is very good. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. You have the whole store in your pocket and a whole lot more. So save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for more than 20 years. Their prices are reliably low for every customer, and they have everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Obviously, there's a lot of flux in the Orlando Magic organization right now. Um, you know, there's no, there's no star to kind of tie everything together at the moment. There's no coach to even lead the team. It's, it, everything is up in the air. And obviously, that's why a lot was placed on this NBA draft and on the NBA draft lottery to get something done. But we want to, you know, we talked a lot about the draft and some of the possibilities of the draft uh, earlier in the show. But... The coaching search is obviously front of mind. Um, obviously, there's the huge news. The Orlando Magic interviewed uh, former team legend Anthony Hardaway 
Penny Hardaway, uh, and came away from that meeting very impressed. Um, I had him kind of off my radar a little bit. I thought that it wasn't the right time. I thought they'd do an interview. But the reporting that came out, and, and certainly some of the rumblings that have come out of Memphis uh, of late, if you've been following a lot of the Memphis basketball writers, is that this is very, very real, and Memphis is preparing as if Penny Hardaway is going to take the job. Um, if I were redoing my coaching power rankings right now, Penny Hardaway would be number one and probably number two, <laughs> to be frank. Um, it feels like this is the first serious, like serious, serious candidate that we've seen emerge from the mist. I have not hidden, not necessarily my skepticism about Hardaway's candidacy or Hardaway as, as a coach, but my skepticism that this is the right time um, for him to make this leap to the NBA. Um, and it's not because I don't think Penny can't do the job. Um, it, part of me does think that this is the perfect job for Penny. A young team, people he can connect with, people he's probably already had some relationships with. Um, and, and this might be the right team for this stage of Penny's development as a coach. But excuse me if I'm still a little bit on the skeptical side. Because I do remember the same thought, the same belief, when the Magic hired Jacques Vaughn in 2012. Jacques Vaughn is not a bad person. He's not a bad guy. Um, he was put in an impossible situation in the, in the time after the Magic had traded Dwight Howard and asked to do a, a really difficult task, a task that very few coaches are able to do. Kenny Atkinson and Brett Brown are really the only two coaches that I can think, and Scott Brooks, are, the, are, are really the only three coaches I can think of that have taken a rebuild to the playoffs. You need different coaches at different stages of a team's life cycle. And finding one that can do it all is nearly impossible. It's really, really hard. But undoubtedly, as much as much improved as Jacques Vaughn has been as a coach, and I always suspected when he came to Orlando with really just two years on the bench in San Antonio, that this was going to be a learning process for him and that he would do better in his second job than he did with his first, proven correct by the way the Brooklyn Nets played last year and by the buzz that he is getting now to be the head coach of the New Orleans Pelicans. He was not the right man for the job. For whatever reason, he did not connect with that team, did not kind of pick the right roles or pick the right strategies or pick the right identity and culture that this team needed to grow. The Magic were a mess under Jacques Vaughn. And I do call the Jacques Vaughn hire the original sin. Now, there was no way to know just how much of a mess things would be. You had a new GM, a new coach, and things just didn't click. There have been various reports about just unprepared doesn't seem like the right word, but the message never got through. And obviously, that set the magic way behind. You look at the talent on the teams that Jacques Vaughn had. Victor Oladipo, Tobias Harris, Nikola Vucevic, Evan Fournier, Aaron, I mean, Aaron Aflalo for a little while. There was plenty of talent to allow the magic to compete. Maybe not win championships because they didn't have that kind of talent, but compete. And it wasn't that the magic were bad. They never competed. And it was... Very predictable that after two and a half seasons, the Magic would move on from Jacques Vaughn. And honestly, when James Borrego came in, he set a firm identity for what he wanted the team to be. 
He said, our goal is we're not going to give up points in the paint. Everything else doesn't matter. Let's just focus on accomplishing one goal. And the Magic actually, uh, in that half season or however long it was, I think it was 30 games, yeah, they were 10-20. and 20. They weren't much better in the, in the win column. But Borrego set an identity that they accomplished. It's hard to think back on those Jacques Vaughn teams and say, who are the Magic trying to be on the court? And exactly who was getting better as well? It is for this reason that I am really focused on this coaching search right now. Because it has to be the right person. The right person to connect with these young players, to develop them on the court, to develop them off the court, to develop them and their games, but also make them cohesive enough to be competitive, to win. Why are so many of us thinking Kenny Atkinson is the best candidate? Because when he was with the Brooklyn Nets and they didn't have talent and they didn't have draft picks to build on, they played hard. They had an identity. And yeah, they might have still lost games, but they were tough out. At the end of the day, you still want the same thing that Steve Clifford provided you. That your team is tough to play against. That they don't beat themselves. That you have to play well to beat them. And you might out-talent them at the end, but you're going to feel this team. You're going to say, like, they're a lot better than their record would indicate. And maybe they're just missing a little seasoning and experience, especially late in games, to take that next step. That's really what we want to see immediately from this Orlando Magic team. As young as they're going to be, they still need to feel how close winning is and feel that it's achievable. Because under Jacques Vaughn, there are some nice wins here and there, but on a night-to-night basis, it never felt that way. And again, it's probably not all Vaughn's fault. I thought his staff was maybe a little, also a little too unseasoned. The, the, the kind of experienced coach they brought in was brought in as an advisor and was only there you know, every couple of weeks to kind of observe and, and, and guide things. If you're bringing in a new coach, they need a staff that can kind of fill in their weaknesses a little bit. But the thing, too, is the Magic need a coach that has a clear vision for how he wants his team to play, that can build the relationships to get everyone to play to that vision, to know that they will be better if the team is better. And yes, it's going to be tough to win. Because this is going to be a young roster. They're going to make young team mistakes. And you got to, you know, not baby them, but you got to be able to lift guys up even through all those struggles to make them believe that the ultimate vision is there. That's the stuff that's more important. And again, maybe Hardaway checks off all those boxes. Maybe that's what impressed the Magic so much in the interview that they thought would be a formality turned into a very serious interview. And if that's the case, then Penny is 100% the right hire for today. But the proof is always on the court. The proof is always in the win column. The proof is always there. The Magic need to find the right guy here. Because finding the wrong guy at this moment, that could set the franchise back another decade. Just like Jacques Vaughn did for the first phase of the rebuild. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. You, of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast and Apple Podcasts. Search your tune in to him, like Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, and all of them places on the podcast to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore. And, of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com.
com. You can follow me there. Follow Sarah on Twitter at omagicdaily. That's going to do it for me today. Though. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic for Orlando Magic Daily. Locked on Magic. This has been Phil Crossman. Right. See you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic.